Welcome back to Big Content. We're here to follow up on some more Barcelona news from last week. We've kind of been making predictions as the week go by, and we're starting to see some of them come to fruition. This will be a long-standing game that we'll continue to cover for whatever reason. That's become like the theme of our podcast. What Barcelona? Yeah, just what's going on with the saga in there. Well, um, they're one of the first creator companies, and we're talking about creators, so I think it makes sense. They're not going to take over this pod. I got some more creator-heavy stuff, but we've got they're, some, they're yeah, we've there. got some other. We got a good table of contents today, so we've got uh, talking about Barcelona a little bit. We've me and Jack have been looking at a collab office together, like getting an office for our companies together. So we'll talk a little bit about the tour and what we're kind of thinking in the process of, you know, what makes sense for both companies at this point. We've got some fun YouTube ideas. The danger of clips going viral without context is, I feel like, super relevant in today's world. Um, working for big companies versus creator-led companies, stability versus growth, et cetera. Um, and then a little punchline, little punchline action. You and mm-hmm. you and Marlon launched, and, uh, and we'll get into that. So... Oh, I also want to talk about some list building stuff because we've been yeah. doing some giveaways slash building up different lists within our company. And I think it's really important for people who are starting off, not necessarily to like get right into the game of list building. By list building, I mean collecting information from your consumers. So you have their contact information. It could be email, it could be phone numbers, whatever. But it's pretty important to do upfront. So when you do want to communicate with them one-to-one or directly, you have that information kind of at your fingertips. And it can lead to uh, much easier sales process much easier you know whatever hype for whatever you're doing and it's some stuff that we're working on personally that i feel like i could speak to so i want to throw yeah. that in there we'll we'll cover that later i did want to begin with a little r.i.p r.i.p threads remember threads barely that what, app what was, was crazy that? <laughs> it was a Snapchat on that yeah mm-hmm. mark zuckerberg type app but have, when's the last time you went on threads whenever the last conversation we had was yeah i went on it just to be like I wonder when the next time I'm going to be on Threads is. <laughs> they, they ship web, so they finally just shipped their web version. It was only mobile before, and now no one's on the platform. I, I actually scrolled through last night in preparation for today to just see, like, are any of the brand accounts posting? Are any? And it was pretty much just, like, meta people, and Zuck was still having his team post memes of, like, through his account. And what's I was like, what's your biggest sad. takeaway from just, like, the... The fast-paced launch of that and then just how quickly it fell off a cliff. It is a really, it's a really good story about, one, how if you have built-in distribution, you can jumpstart something to the max. But if you do not have good content or good product, you will fail in the long term. And with an app like that, maybe they were only given a month and then they lost all that hype. And now it's like, how do you ever get people to return? I guess you keep shipping good products, you keep shipping good content. But as we think about like with Marlin, we have that built-in distribution. So we will be able to kind of push the first episode. But if the content's not good in episode one even, or two or three, you'll doesn't matter. You, it's yeah, almost in a grander lose. scale version of like, if the content's not good within three seconds of a TikTok, you lose a lot of people. Like exactly. that's kind of when you build hype up for something, yeah. you know, you need to deliver immediately. I guess like I look at it from a few perspectives. Like one, it's just a massive face plant from Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I just like don't understand what they thought was going to work about it. I, I think a lot of it goes back to the intention of it. Like they thought that just being like, people hate Elon Musk yeah, so much yeah. that we're going to be able to build... If your intention is poor, that always plays itself out. Like, that will never really work in the long run. I also yeah. think from a consumer perspective, because, we, you know, I think a lot of our mindset went to immediately, do we get on the platform? Should mm-hmm. we start promoting mm-hmm. ourselves? Do we start posting on there? And a lot of younger creators or, like, less established creators probably also went there and said, oh, man, this is the new big platform that's getting a lot of, you know, pump behind it. Do we get on there? And I, I think one of the takeaways for me was, like, 
what what pushed you to get on TikTok or what pushed you to get on these other platforms? If it's not like a genuine, like your friends are showing you stuff and then you're mm -hmm. enjoying being on the platform, I, I feel like people put things on a pedestal. And if you could kind of go back to basic human behavior and understand why you're on a platform in the first place, or like when you first got on TikTok, you were probably hesitant about it, not even from a creator standpoint, but as a consumer, like it's weird, just people dancing. And then you found yourself staying on the platform more and more and more, mm -hmm. and it naturally became a bigger part of your life. I think those are the platforms worth investing your time into. Like, do you enjoy being on the platform? Because if you enjoy being on the platform, you'll probably enjoy creating for the platform. And I think that was a big thing that like threads got shoved into our face. It got yeah. shoved into our life without anyone actually being like, I'm inviting this into my life. People did want to get off Twitter. People are still anti-Elon. Maybe there was an underestimization of how much it, it's how I think about Apple and all the products, right? Like I have I have AirPods, I have a Mac, I have, you know, everyone has iPads, MacBooks, but it iPhones, goes it, right? but it goes back to fucking like people pretend that they hate Elon Musk so much. It doesn't affect their lives at all. And as soon as something, so they're like, oh, I hate Elon. Yeah, I'm going to switch to threads. Yeah. And that affected their life. They're like, oh, right. my, that's a tangible change in my life. I don't like it. I'm, now I have to kind of I, admit defeat that I, I don't have, care about you. I have Musk. to go to the Apple store after this and get new AirPods because my AirPods broken. And I went. I was out of warranty. And, like, I can bitch and complain all day long. But, like, I'm going to buy the AirPods, right? It sinks in with everything. It's the same thing. Twitter has become kind of that platform for that nature it's so, just a scapegoat for people and then they're like oh once i actually have to change something in my life I'm it's going like back to the better you know, how many people stop watching the nfl you know there is that small percent that 100%. they're sickos and they really did not want to watch but now they're 92 percent how many people left america when joe biden or, yeah, or donald everyone, trump won everyone the yeah. right there's no one left here that's probably why i'm paying 15 bucks for a smoothie <laughs> but in there are two things that i think threads could do that would make it interesting one, they could integrate it into their meta platform, right? Into Instagram or to Facebook, where we discussed. Like, it didn't make sense as a standalone, per se, but, like, maybe there are reasons to use it. You see on um, on Instagram, there is, like, a primary general, like, in your DMs. There's now a channels. Have you had that? Yeah. Channel, I, I like channels just have this. existed for, for a while. Maybe they were beta testing it, but all, mm. all the creators I follow have channels. Okay. And that's, like, push notifications this, for them. This feels like... This, I mean, it's not a timeline because it yeah, just yeah. says the person's name. No, but the channel. channels is just for their community. So you could do a BDG channel where you like the best channel that I ever had was NASCAR Chicago. So this was really interesting to me. We were in Chicago for the weekend. Obviously, like we were hyped up. We wanted to know what was going on. There was rain delays. So we wanted to get weather updates and like. There hasn't really been a place where all that info is curated on a social platform. Like, you would naturally go to Twitter. I think smart people would. But now, you could follow and get updates. So, you could get updates for weather, but also, like, the top highlights or what performers are coming on or, like, different things. And that made sense to me because it was just for that event. And I hope they don't ping me until next year's race, right? If I'm back and then I'll follow it. So it's kind of like well, a... It kind of feels like a Twitter account in a way. Like you're following and then you're getting, yeah, you know, yeah, almost yeah. like a newsfeed update yes. of it. Yeah, but it was, it's branded differently. So it made me... Yeah. My to first me, thought was, was like, what's the difference? It gave everyone with an Instagram following just push notifications, which right. it's like anything. We'll talk about lists later. Like if you just spam that, it's never going to lead to anything. You 100%. actually have to put out good content. So they could add that to the platform, actually build it in as kind of a feature. And then two, I really think if they if 
Maybe even if they just front-loaded it similar to the TikTok creator fund and they're like, we're paying creators, or, or how Snapchat did it with Spotlight and now with their story ads. It's like the only way to get content creators over seems to be, one, if they're going to get paid, but two, if everyone kind of shifts over there. That's, that's how you get creators to go somewhere is if they fear that someone else is going to kind of take market share from them. So anyways, RIP threads for now. We'll see if they make a recovery. In the name of content... We, I, I stumbled upon this tweet, or someone sent it to me, but I guess that's still me stumbling upon it. And uh, his name is Kevin Esperito, Plant Daddy. And I thought this was really interesting. He said, YouTube channels I'd love to see created. I'll read a few of them. Best argument against all the channel does is construct steel man arguments against popular positions. If done well, it would be a great service to our society. Uh, second time founders with successful exits, fully documenting their next business start to finish in super long form. Uh, the book, poor Charlie's almanac, but as a YouTube channel, but not a talking head explainer style creators should tie the mental models to their real lived experiences. Niche news curation. I think this is underserved in a big way. Curate and contextualize plumbing, radiology, 3d printing, etc. And there are a few more on there. We'll, we'll link it or we'll put an image of it here on the screen now. What was so interesting about this tweet to me was that I, I, it got my brain thinking, and I'm like, yeah, each one of these could be successful if done right. And then it just goes to show, like, if you are a content creator or you want to get into content, like, I wouldn't bet against a single one of these ideas if you guaranteed it was done right. I don't know how new any of these are. I yeah. think they're new in the sense that, like, on paper, they all sound good, but I think they all very much exists just in a way that people find hard to trust. Like first one, example, best argument against all the channel does is construct steel man arguments against popular positions. If done well, it would be a great, so, mm -hmm. like I feel as if you can get opinion. If there's a very popular opinion or, or a very popular argument, mm -hmm. you can get well researched, educated arguments from both sides. It's just very hard to trust people in polarizing and polarizing positions. Like, Second time founders with successful exits fully documenting their next business start to finish in super long form. That just feels like vlogging to me. It's yeah. just maybe not the right person has done it yet. Right. But but um, I think that kind of is the point is, of course, all these concepts exist in some form or fashion, whether it's a different category, whether it's being done in some part. You're saying but like, because it's so niche down that like. I think I, it's kind of the Gary Vee approach, right? Which is if you if there is probably a large enough audience for you. Like, there's definitely a large enough audience if you wanted to put out news around radiology. Like, there is. It doesn't feel like it. So, but th there was there. actually a friend of mine that reached out to me this weekend. Um, oh, let me find his text. So, so he texted me, and this this guy is extremely successful in the corporate world. Works for a, an amazing company. He's very high up in the company. And he texted me, and we like to talk about content sometimes because mm -hmm. he's been in our audience for a while. And he's like, I've got an idea buzzing around for a content business I'd, I'd like to start. Um, I'd be interested in, like, you know, just kind of talking it over with you. So we started talking about it a little bit. And one of his true passions is using, like, uh, telescopes to look yeah. at, like, space and the art behind it. And he's like, there's a really passionate niche following behind this. And I want to be able to, like, teach people you know, how to use, utilize the tech correctly and how to like make these pictures, whatever the case may be. He's right. The equipment's super expensive. Mm -hmm. So the people that are in the market are already like investing a lot of money into this if they're in there or whatever, or whatever. And he wants to, I don't know if it's make a court. We're getting a call next week to explain yeah. it more. But when he reached out to me, I was so excited because I was like, this is my ideal customer. Someone who like wants to make content around something that's a really specific niche passion. 
you know, and it came to me and like, I think I've known that, you know, like mm -hmm. that's kind of been what I've said to you. I was like, if we're going to like centralize what big content is, at least from my perspective, it's like, let's find people who want to make content around something they're super passionate about. And it's one of those things that like, I don't know if I've necessarily worked with someone hands on that fit that category, but it's almost, it's almost like when you're in a, when I make rankings for my fantasy football draft guide or whatever i'll make rankings and i'm like i'm not actually sure if i feel this way or if the market's kind of fucked my yeah. head up a little bit but once i'm in a draft i know who i really want to yeah. when i'm on the yeah. clock and i'm picking between three players yeah. and i pick a guy that was ranked lower i'm like okay he shouldn't be lower in my rankings then right yeah. like that's kind of how i felt like i didn't know exactly who was the perfect person for it but when he reached out i was like cool like this is it right here those are the types of people i think can be so successful, such a small niche. And I, th I think I understand what you're saying now mm -hmm. with like why these channels in particular would be so popular. And it's something I've been more and more focused on and passionate about, about like the more specific you are about something in today's world, because there are so many different topics or passions or hobbies or directions you can go in, the more specific and the more clear you are speaking to, to one person, the better off you're probably going to be. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that, and I think your real lived experience, which is funny because, you know, the book Poor Charlie's Almanac, creators should tie the mental models to their real lived experiences. Like, there are just so many ways to attack things, and I just think it's a great reminder that your hobby or your passion or whatever you're looking to do definitely exists. And I don't even, I, I think we should just rid niche out of it, like, is it even a niche at this point? Like if 100,000 people are willing to watch them, like the most mind-blowing stat is every time I'm looking up a tech question, right? It's like how to fix this on Adobe or how to make this camera work. It's like 100,000 views. 100,000 people are actually looking for info on, on how to just utilize one single camera, which means they're selling, you know, 5 million of those units. The, the industry is definitely big enough. And YouTube is is definitely a platform that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think the, the whole like niche part is like that's more of a humans need organization and compartmentalization. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, we'll like go crazy. Yeah, could be a, just a big, big niche. We're in your office right now. So if people don't fully understand, Nick has an office. Um, the address is... Care. You want people to show up. Wouldn't care. But you've got you got four to six in here on any given day. If you've watched any of Nick's vlogs, you probably have a good sense of the office. But he's got an office behind us. This is kind of the studio. They record a lot of trivia and content up in the couch area. They got open area for desks for working and then a little bit of a kitchen. I guess Jameson's bedroom right now. A little office or I guess room room to do work. So Nick and I have been thinking about what he's going to do when his lease is up. And as one of your kind of goals or maybe aspirations, it's to create and curate creators and to create a, um, an environment where people can create and collaborate. And so we're here in New York, Snap Exports, uh, but we're also kind of spread out all over the country. So we're trying to figure out you know, how much would we use an office? How often can we be in the office? But we are unequivocally aligned that being in an office does encourage, especially in the content world, a lot of positive things. And sometimes it is just honestly nice to get into an office, interact with people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's nice to not interact with people. But we've been looking Especially around. like having your own personal coffee shop yeah. where, like, your homies pull up. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's worth it. Worth every penny. Yeah. So, so we're thinking about doing a collab office. I don't know any creators off the top of my mind creator led businesses who kind of do stuff like this obviously we work exists but i think we work is a co in concept is great but i doubt that any of those offices actually collaborate tiktok houses and vine houses and youtube houses like that's honestly this is like the more corporate version of it this in feels a like way. A, 
I, I was going to say more pure. Yeah. Like th- this was a very natural combination. Whereas like the hype house and those hi- houses are like, yeah. let's force these. Like it works like a charm though. It does. It, it, but because it forces you to, it still feels so unnatural to me. It feels so weird. Because like, you don't dance. Fair. <laughs> it, it, just, it makes me like, I don't know, create, yeah, like a little queasy when yeah. I see those kind of houses. Like this is something that definitely ties back to being around more creators. I think, I mean, from a practical sense, it makes sense because if we're getting an office together, it obviously cuts my rent costs. Mm-hmm. Even if it's minorly, it's still cut yep. down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I like being around other creators. Like I said, the energy is high. Like you and me, I'm sure have a lot of collaborations left in the future at some point or another. And it's like, you're where we're at right now. There's not a ton of people that I directly relate to as it relates to my business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, leading a content creation led business and trying to scale a team and things like that. So it's, it's nice to have you around and, And we also like, we are doing the same thing, but we're like kind of doing the exact same thing almost, you know, like we're working with the same partners. We're talking to the same people. We have a lot of the same connections and stuff. So it's like very easy to bounce ideas off of you and see different perspectives on the same situation. Um, For someone who hates collaboration, actually doing an office with another company is funny, but the content collaboration. Yeah. yeah. The, the point I actually wanted to make is what you just said, everything you laid out is such a, clean and great way of thinking about it you could have easily not you because i know you and that's why this could work but i'm sure even people listening are like is that going to be competitive is that going to be pulling one from another but like you didn't even mention a single part where it's like uh this might not work because we're doing the same thing you're like no we're doing the same thing it's actually great that yeah (laughs) it's great that we're we're working on the same ideas and we can kind of work together on it so yeah because i I never really look at like top line numbers or bottom line numbers are not what drives me it's more just like am i do i like the way this make me feel you know and if it's good then good i keep going that way and like i don't know i i I think it'll be really fun i actually loki if i think if we pull this off and we do it correctly i i almost feel like it might start a domino effect I don't which, know how which would be what in your head other creators started to do this yeah. realizing that oh you know what like me and two of my homies make content like we could probably spit in, uh, split an office space right. between us and like try to turn ourselves into like a little bit of a company and I kind of see that being a thing over the next like 10 years or so where you see creators turn into like media company there need mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've had this conversation but there needs to be like a midway word between like individual and like yeah. companies you know there's like a, a mini company or creator-led business but there's something there that i feel like is going to continue to pop up over and over again and it, it just makes a lot of sense i think mm-hmm. for both of us from a practical standpoint um my, so i'm really excited my idea actually coming towards the end of my college career i didn't really know what i wanted to do i knew i wanted to be entrepreneurial i knew i wanted to work in sports but i didn't like lock in on what i wanted to do i knew i kind of wanted to grind though to start i wanted to take a shot and and really figure it out so i really wanted to get 10 people, like-minded people, guys, girls, but, and it didn't necessarily have to be in sport, but just people who wanted to try and figure something out and just live in my basement. And the 10 of us like live in the basement, like really kind of slum it, I guess, to a degree, but like every day you're just working on something until you find something. I don't know how the economics of it would have worked. I don't know if we'd all own 10% of the company, if we started a company, but the, the, as you grow older, what you realize is like, yeah, we can't, I can't 
live with you. You know, like, cause that's the, mm-hmm. that's the highest level. That's the TikTok house. The TikTok house works if you're 18 and, I was gonna and say, you're young, if, but if it I doesn't was, work yeah, if, you're, if I grew up here, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, and people are like, we're moving into a 10 person apartment. We're all just like trying to fucking grind and figure out a way. That. Oh, that yeah. would, that was my dream right. when I was younger. Right. Yeah. So now what is that middle ground? I think the office could it. be, could be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, we, the one thing we did pitch or we actually didn't pitch it, but I actually am pretty confident we will or could at least get it done next year is like a best ball house next August. Like that to me seems reasonable. Could you get people in the house for parts of August? I don't know. Now, nowadays everyone is so spread out. Like we discussed New York, how many creators are really here? You not know, ton, there, yeah. there's not a ton, but content led businesses, creator led businesses. We'll see. That so. would work so well in LA. If like people, I yeah. guess, I don't know how if many they didn't people hate out each there. other, if, <laughs> it, like if if there were yeah. genuine relationships. But I I do think, and we'll keep everyone updated as we go through the process. Why it's going to work is because we're like very open and honest, and I do fear that maybe those tough conversations are just tough conversations for a lot of people. Like we had to talk about rent and who's paying more in rent and how it would feel if one person adds someone to the team, where do we think we'll be at? And in this case, how do we feel about security deposit, buying furniture? You were like, I can't do this on my own. I was like, I'm committing to this. I don't think that everyone's willing to have that conversation or even knows how. So that, yeah, that I mean, the, the thing is like the, the reason I'm willing is not because like I'm such an open person. It's just, I've, gone through situations where I didn't have those conversations right. and they lead, they lead you to such a bad place of one financially, a lot of things just end up kind of crashing down. If mm-hmm. you don't set boundaries and understand that stuff up front. Secondly, you start to build, it's just like a relationship too. Like if you're with your significant other and they do something that annoys you every day, but you never bring it up to them yeah. in two months, you're going to explode on them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like these things, if you're not able to speak how you feel and not able to talk about how you feel about certain things, will always like kill you in the long run. So even if it's uncomfortable in the short term, you need to have those conversations like for you. You're doing it for yourself, yeah. not for the other person. But it's like, I don't want to not have those conversations now, six months down the line, be like, dude, like I, I'm not doing this with you anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I want to, I want to get to that we'll point. Have a multi-year lease. <laughs> right. I want to get to that point being like, yeah, we you, spoke about this. Like we laid the ground rules out. Yeah. So if something were to happen, we, we already know where yeah. it's going. Yeah. Something like that. So, so that's on the way. We did mention that we're going to talk Barstool for a minute because we discussed ESPN, Penn, Barstool, and what it would mean for creators. And the prediction was that they're going to have to lay off creators. Without gambling revenue, there's no way. They got too fat. You know, when they were, I guess, targeting regional-based or city-based or state-based, it made sense to have maybe a, you know, a Philly guy and also a Boston guy, but also a Minnesota guy or Michigan guy of sports betting and Penn was there. Now they've made cuts. They didn't do a whole public thing. I haven't seen the sports business world really get on them and attack them. It sounds like slow roll off. The only three people I've actually seen so far is two of their soccer guys who I really enjoyed. And then uh, one comedian who I actually wasn't super aware of, but it sounds like they're starting to trim the fat in the nicest way possible. And the biggest thing to note is, uh, I guess Portnoy put out like a, a little video making a joke about something, but he said, we're losing millions here. You know, it was just within the, like he wasn't talking about the business of Barstool, but he did make that comment. So that is what we perceive to be the case. This is what we anticipated to be the case. Uh, as a creator, you can lose millions as a business when you have someone else pouring money into you and you know, you have like a two year runway with it. But 
now that he's back that to needing runway, to self-fund He has it, the runway. He does, but, but I'm sure him. he doesn't want to use it anymore. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. his runway. So what do you think from a creator standpoint is there to learn here? One, I, I think a lot of it goes back to like entitlement with creators. I, ju- I think we're really living in a space where like inflated numbers give a lot of creators this self-entitlement. I think it would go a long way to understand the business of the creator economy so that like when you value yourself, you understand what you are actually worth. Right. And I think a lot of it is like becoming an entrepreneur as a creator. Like even if you work for a company, you should still be trying to build your own thing on the outside. So you know how easy it is because it's not easy so that when you do have to have those tough conversations with a boss who's like, we're letting you go because you're not doing a good job. It's like, you'll know what your actual worth is there, mm-hmm. right? Because you put yourself out into the marketplace, things like that. So it's like, it's really being a more well-rounded, I think, mentally creator, not just like, I need to wake up today and be funny on camera. It's like, that can that can go far, but it can also backstab you if you don't really like commit to understanding your craft. And and I think understanding it's the craft the of creatorship side. is business. Yeah, it's nowadays, the business you know? side. I think like Andrew Scholes is such a good example for this. We saw him the other night. Oh, really? At, uh, yeah, we went it? to the cellar. Oh, yeah. We went on a Monday night. So like on Monday nights, typically their worst nights. So they'll have yeah. a lot of like newer comics come out. So it was like three or four kind of shitty and people. And then he just popped in. We knew because he was on the lineup. Oh, okay. So we were like, oh, sick. We, got, he came, we had the tickets already. And yeah. then they threw the lineup up. And I was like, no fucking way. We landed Andrew <laughs> Schultz. Sam Marill, too. You know Sam Marill? Mm-mm. If you saw him, you might know. It was like okay. Sam Rill, Andrew Schultz, back-to-back. And that, like, obviously yeah. recaptured the night for us. It was awesome. I, I think it's he's a great example where, of course, he's he's funny first, right? So product is good. Content is good. But the creator in him is spectacular in distribution and knowing algorithms and knowing what could make national news and in curating bits, using that humor, but actually putting it into a bit that may actually go viral and then can transfer back and teasing his special and knowing when to go on Nelk podcast to promote something. Right. And now that he's sold his own product too, like he'll sell his stand up directly to the consumer. Right. If Netflix or whoever doesn't want to buy his product, he's like, that's fine because I already know the process of mm-hmm. going direct to consumer. Exactly. So it is really important. And I think whether you want to say it's ego and inflated, you know, self-righteousness, or you just want to say maybe those creators, they are good at content and they get a lot of views, but they don't actually understand the business model or their type of content doesn't really succeed with a business model that they've been trying. It, it is a good lesson. And I, I think one of the guys out. that comes to my head, um, I don't know why I, I like him a lot, and I actually I don't know all the context behind it. Like Lil Sass from mm-hmm. Barcelona, yeah. Because I, I I feel like I see a lot of clips about him talking about his salary and like <laughs> yeah, Barcelona yeah. guys just giving him a hard time. He talks about how low his salary is, yeah. And it's like the comments love him, like people love yeah. Sass, but he's one of those guys that I'm like he puts out videos and they get a high number, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's he's good for the company, but I I don't know how well like a lot of his stuff actually like sells for them. You know what right. I mean? So like. He's someone that feels right. No one's watching a rough and rowdy because he's not fighting it. No one's watching maybe Barstool Awards. I think is tonight, like unless he's hosting, which I don't think he is. So I hear you, but what about like Caleb Presley? Because what would his business model be if he was outside of that network? Well, what I was going to say with Sass is like he does stand up. I actually saw Sass do right. stand up yeah, uh, yeah. like a month or two ago. That's him being like an entrepreneur in the creative sense, yes. where he's not like if he were to get let go by Barstool. I, from my point of view, would kind of understand it. I don't, I would, like, I don't, again, I don't know all the context, so, like, yeah. don't clip this and put this on fucking TikTok. <laughs> or, you know. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Because, um, to me, he's, like, a guy who puts up TikToks that gets, like, 200,000, 500,000 views or whatever. Like, I don't know how 
valuable that is to a company if there's not outside. There's no merch being sold behind right. it. Right, and there might be because he does yeah. the, the podcast with Roan and he does mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff. But I'm just saying he's like the first guy that kind of came to mind in the sense of like you need to see that outside stuff. And he's doing his own stand-up stuff. So mm-hmm. like if you were to get let go, like he he's, he's already kind of building his own path to being an individual uh, comedy person, creator, whatever, stuff like that. Yeah. It's overwhelming for creators, and we're definitely overwhelming people because we're saying, just start, just get started, but also think about all these things. But we are trying to arm you with all the, all the information from our experience. Um, next up is what you just mentioned, which is, I guess, clips out of context. So last episode, in case you missed it, Nick put out a fire thumbnail. You're in your bag with that. Very proud of you. But the thumbnail was essentially for the video, which talked about if you're going to produce an hour content like this, make sure you're getting as much out of that content as possible. So clipping it, making sure it can work on all the short form platforms, and then it it running back to the the longer form stuff, whether it be YouTube or the podcast. Uh, Donald was back in the lab making some clips, and we had one or two clips go, you know, mini viral, 30K, 70K views. And it's not that they were out of context, because that is what we said. It's that the entirety of the context wasn't there. So, of course, we get drilled in the comment section. And, you know, you're going not back and forth, but you're messaging back and forth in kind of a joking way. And I had the urge to just go back and, like, fully explain myself and then battle with people. But also understand that, like, those people who who were commenting had no interest in actually having a discussion about it. They had already made their mind up. So... Just in general, though, what do you think is the solve for, you know, we're, we're going to have people take things out of context, not just for us, but like any It's, it's almost form. like with a, ta- uh, a platform like TikTok, it, the more I've grown into that and uh, and seeing how often that happens, the more I've just tried to remove myself from it. Yeah. it, it, it for me, it just kind of just goes back to intention. And I'm like, if my intention behind the clip or what I'm saying is something that I believe then I'm not really going to argue with people about it because you're going to see so many clips about things. Again, I go back to thinking about people that I admire as content creators and I'll watch a clip of them and I'll be like, this was a pure clip, like just straight value information, entertainment, whatever. It was a great clip. Like I loved it. Thought they did a great job, whatever it is. And then I'll read the comments and it's just like 90 people bashing them. I'm like, for what? For no reason? And I'm just like, there's no... Yeah. There's there's no winning. You could just do your best and, and kind of let the world decide whether or not they like you. So... When you're at scale, it's such a tough thing to um, t- such a tough thing to deal with. I think if you're smaller and the comments are on a much lower scale, I think it's probably worth like talking to the person. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you if you do a YouTube video and you get three comments, right, and like two of them are negative comments, it's worth replying to that person and having an actual conversation about it because you could flip that person, right? 100%. And that's how you turn zero into one, one into two, two into four, four into eight, right? By like slowly flipping the person, flow uh, slowly doing one person multiply like. That I think is worth doing. When you're at scale, for me, it's I, I just don't think it's a win. It's a win-win game. I think if you go into the content with a good intention, like that's kind of the best you could do. Yeah. What do you think about uh, taking short form people and flipping them into long form? Have you seen any success with that? Is there anything from the trivia stuff that you can share? It's definitely something that with punchline we're going to be thinking a lot about. I know that a lot of people think about how do we flip our short form viewership into longer form listeners. What what tips can you give? Um, tips. Well, I will say that we've successfully for sure flipped a lot of our TikTok audience to our YouTube trivia. YouTube trivia is over, I think, 20K subscribers now. Um, Nice. And I would say, 
You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask their. Opinion. I don't think anyone's actually looked at the analytics. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Ask no one at your company has looked at the an analytics. Not not channel. a deep dive to answer this question okay. specifically. I'm, I'm gonna ask them real quick. So my question to them was like, of of the 20k we have on the YouTube channel, what percentage do you think directly came from us promoting it on TikTok? And they said 75 to 80 percent, which was which would have been my estimate as well. Interesting. Because my, my thing is like, we're at such scale with the TikTok trivias that us plugging it in the beginning of the video, if we get a video that has 200,000 people that view it and we plug it, we'll get 200 from them, right? Mm -hmm. And the percentage of that is, that, what's that, 0.01% yeah, yeah, or whatever? Yeah. And you do that every single day, twice a day over the course of like two months, pretty easy to convert people. But not everybody has the luxury of having that type of scale. So I do think it's really, I still believe it's really difficult to, um, to convert short form to, to long form at, from a holistic perspective. Mm -hmm. I kind of just feel like we, we hit the nuts here with yeah. like the way that our content is. And, and, and I will say one of the tips is like, if you're going to convert them, there has to be some sort of like, you got to give them a why. Yeah. Right. And I think ours was you get to watch some of them earlier. You get to watch them in longer form. I think it's a different energy. It almost feels more like vloggish mm -hmm. when you're watching it on YouTube. It is different. Out. Yeah, it is different. Uh, TikTok's but, like very direct and like, you know, people are just like yeah, all the time. And then and, YouTube. And I think chilling. about it from the podcast perspective because I watch every Kelsey clip, every Paul George clip, every Pat Bev clip. And I never click the long Same. form because it feels like the best moments are coming out of it. Right. So. While I think that is the case, we do have to convert them over. And there, is, there definitely is a portion to where if you just see stuff a ton, you will go and search it out. But there has been times where the short-form stuff has forced me to go and see the long-form stuff. It almost feels like you got to clickbait it in a way. Like, you have to not clickbait it, but, like... you got to give them a why. I really, really do think Yeah, it has to be a strong... Well, there have been very few times where I've actually made that move, and I think... The BFFs like, podcast does it really well with yeah. Prez. Like, they've done clips where like 60 seconds, but they won't really show you the end. And mm -hmm. I'm like, for no reason, I just really want to know. What, yeah. yeah. So I'll watch it then. And I'll end up enjoying the full length thing, but yeah. like, it will never be part of my consistent, like, daily yeah. thing. So I, I still think it's such a tough thing. Are you guys called actioning in the, in the content? TikToks? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the first thing we say, pretty okay. much. That, that I think is very important. And it's something that, a lot of those short form clippers actually don't do, which is, it's just like the best moment from the show. So why would I go watch the full length thing? But if it's like for more, go watch. Here. So I think the template Even we use matters. is typically like, we'll have the same intro where we won't just start it off. Like the video starts. Mm -hmm. We'll say like, welcome back to trivia. Either like name the last 25 players to go to touchdown yeah. or like I'm here with, you know, Mac yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And then we'll say, and don't, and, and make sure to go check us out on YouTube where we're doing exclusive content over there. Right. Like that's it. Like we usually won't start with, Hey, we're doing, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Cause people who have never seen us before or something like that mm -hmm. will be like, what the fuck is this? Like yeah. I'm on this platform and you're telling me to leave to go to another platform. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if we start off with the intro and they know what they're getting and then we plug that, I think that that helps us a little bit. Yeah, it does. So, and we have a lot of repeat customers. I think too. calls to action are just stuff that people Underrated. don't, yeah, people don't like, even I tell Casey all the time with the soccer content, like in the middle of the video, not at the end, in the middle of the video, you need to say, follow me for my next follow me for this it makes such a big difference that i don't think people are, are fully appreciative of and i think they fear asking for that follow like they don't want to be a salesman but if you put it in the middle or after you've delivered some type of value or you're giving them a why on why to follow right so follow for part two 
you know, it got a bad rap, but it totally got people to follow, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to balance like what, you know, you want people to comment versus what actual delivery you want to, to occur. So actually, unless you have another point on that, I, I kind of like to go right into list building because I think yeah, it's super ahead. relevant. So basically what we were doing is we started a dynasty league within the office, but we left four spots open and we're like, hey, we're going to fill this dynasty league with four BDG audience members. And Dynasty League's long-term, it's forever, right? So this is like valuable to them to get mm-hmm. access to us. And they've been such a, like a rabid fan base, part of our content that like, of course they want to probably play with us. So we're like, okay. I, I think a lot of creators don't really put enough thought into the way that we went about this for the most part. We had multiple meetings, probably three or four meetings about how do we want to fill these spots? How do we go about like making sure that we have logistics in line to gather everyone who's interested? How do we screen the people? You know, whatever it is, right? So my first thought was, okay, we worked in a platform called Community, which is where you collect people's phone numbers. So a lot of times, if you guys have seen content where like celebrities or influencers are like, text me through this number or whatever, it's obviously not their number, but there are platforms out there that are made their businesses specifically to give people these secondary numbers where they have like dashboards on the website where you can interact with your audience members that text you and shit. And it's really well done. It's almost like an email list, right? Mm -hmm. And my first thought was like, okay, we used that a year ago, but we never had a really good structured, well-structured plan behind it because we didn't have enough hands on deck to really like focus on it. So I'm like, why don't we go back into that and make that? Because I think that is like the most pure native two-way form of communication with where our audience is right now, right? Like email list is cool because it's it could be two-way and it's direct to the person. You own the list and everything. Text message is a part of everyone's life nonstop, 24-7. And if you could build a plan around that to be part of someone's day so that you're not interrupting them or not selling them things or whatever the case may be, it would be a super powerful platform. The problem I had with community particularly is that when you would send a video or, or a picture mm-hmm. within the text message, it wouldn't pop up natively. It would send a link, which you had to click and it would take you elsewhere to see the picture. I'm like, that's no longer a text message. Now it's, just, it's just, you're like sending me to a website. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. I don't want to use that anymore. The other platforms are ones that only allow you to have like one way communication. Like this is for like e-commerce who are people that are like doing sales. And I'm like, we don't want to use it for either of those things. We want to like actually have a place where, you know, we're bored one day for an hour. Let's just text people around. audience mm. like bullshit. Let's just send pictures about what's going on in the office. I'm like, that's very much up our alley, up our brand. We are having so much, we, we weren't able to find a single company yeah. that satisfies both, both needs, unfortunately. So what we did instead was we started the trivia discord mm. and we're like, you come in here, fill out this Google form and we're going to pick, a few people from here. So all these things, in my opinion, are like list builders, but they're also sales pitches. Every one of these, as minor as they are, you have to pick and choose your spots as a creator. Like if you're making a video, there are just a certain amount of slots that you can insert into your video to try to sell something. And selling does not mean making money. Selling means asking for a phone number, an email address, for them to comment, for them to hit a like button. Obviously there are levels to what you're asking them to do. But each of these things, in my opinion, have a time and place. It would almost be like listening to a song, right? And it's a three-minute song, but they play the chorus every 20 seconds. You're like, all right, there's something off here. Like, I don't really want to listen to this anymore. You know what I mean? That's what a piece of content is. You pick and choose your spots where you feel like are going to be most fruitful for you. If every song started off with a chorus, you'd be like, all right. But you kind of build up to it, and then when it hits, it's like perfect. That's kind of the way I look at sales pitches. So if you have a 30-minute video... Maybe you ask for two things. You have maybe one big one and one small one. So for us, that's kind of the way I plan. Like when I'm like, all right, we have this campaign running right now. Not only are we just like, all right, let's collect phone numbers for it. It's like, no, no, no. Like 
what platforms are we pitching them on? How are we doing it? What part of the video are we doing it in? And are we sure that we don't have anything else already in the video that we're plugging? You have a TikTok video and you're plugging multiple things, like you've already lost. Like mm -hmm. that's probably a shitty piece of content. So we've been doing that. We launched it, the Discord yesterday, I want to say. Um, yeah, Discord's a decent platform for it. it that's another one-on-one -on -one communication, though. Yes, it does not hit like text message, unfortunately, but it is the closest thing to that. I think uh, I think if you build up like a really a really nice community, like if your brand is strong, I think Discord could be really really good for you. But you can't ping them every time like that. You can't. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. Right. But per your per your latest thoughts, that's like the idea. Oh, hundred so percent. Yeah, yeah. We you you use can it only the make these asks. But it's right? beautiful. You have to add value, value, value. Then you make that. You have conversations back. with them for yes. a couple of weeks, and then you know you want to sell a fucking shirt or something. Guess what? Drop that link in there, add everybody, and everyone's fired up to buy it. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of shit I'm, I'm thinking about. And, like, I don't know. We, we started that. It's, it's, it's going well. Um, so we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But we also have a section in there, too, because uh, so many comments on our TikToks are like, do this next, do this next. So we have, like, a suggestion channel mm -hmm. where people can write in their thing. And, like, that'll play well because next time we do a TikTok where we took a suggestion, we'll be like, this one was suggested from the Discord. If you want to suggest, boom. It's, like, kind of a natural cycle where – what we did for the SMS or the text messaging platform before we realized we couldn't do it, <laughs> I was like, Matt and JMO, whoever's in the office, I want you to lay out a schedule. How are we going to text these people? How many times a day? What the content's going to be? And you're going to present it to me. And they did that last week. And it was like very natural text messages that people will get in their life. Like it's Tuesday night, you know, don't forget to hit this guy on your waiver wire, whatever. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like shit I that we're going to do taco Tuesday. I thought no, you were no, going no. like very, like not selling. No, no, no. Yeah, and yeah. Then, like Sunday would just be like a pick from the office, you know? And then, like maybe after the one o'clock games, we do like a quick recap for you via text. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's just really native shit that we're part of your football day or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then maybe once every two or three weeks, we're like sign up for underdog or, you know, buy this thing or whatever. But like, we're part of your thing so that when we do hit you with the sales pitch, you're not mad about it. It doesn't feel like we're overwhelming you. You don't yeah. want to hit unsubscribe from the thing. So and it's, it's kind of the way I look, it, I look at it. It so. fits. It's stuff you're doing. You know, it's you're giving your Sunday pick. Oh, sign up for underdog. Here's where. Here's where we're taking it. Yeah. So and, and we're giving you a little deposit bonus if you use code Snapback. So it's a it's, it's a fine <laughs> fine line there. Um, I think. But list building, I think, is another thing that's really important to smaller media businesses in particular, and they need to. You need to ebb and flow with like the way you're inserting that stuff into your content. Cool. That actually was where a list was on my on my list. So that was perfect. Like so, in my content schedule, list was right here. Next up is it's big content. It's the big man. It's the big corporate company against the little guys. What it is like to work for the man and to be the man or the woman. Um so you want to speak to that last part? <laughs> how much how much can you share how much do you feel comfortable sharing about your inner workings as it pertains to uh, corporate versus non-corporate? Um, like my personal? No. Like your... I don't think I want to say anything yet because he, he hasn't yet. Okay. All right. That's uh, fine. Next week we could definitely talk about okay. it though. So maybe we'll, we'll re-guide that to the stability of what a corporate company is like as opposed to the freedom, but also the struggles and the lack of resources of, of the non-corporate company. Someone who worked at the NBA previously was still logged into the Facebook account and actually posted on the NBA's Facebook account with 
50 million followers saying like after taxes i made 50 grand i worked 60 hours a week i got no overtime it took me three and a half months to get any of my uh health benefits uh they grind you down i hated it here pretty much like that just want to say 50k after taxes sorry to cut you off pretty good the health insurance thing yeah i don't have real health insurance (laughs) and i don't know if i ever did because i I think i was under my mom's for a while people in the comments said that was actually pretty common that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's literally the standard yeah. in America. Yeah. Like, that's I, another I, example of that guy just like being a dick, I feel like. I was, no I was under 25, fortunately, on my parents until I went full-time doing this. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure every I company's like you have to be here for a certain set period right. for your health insurance. Makes sense. Yeah. And 50K post-taxes, let's make the assumption he was in the New York office. About 85K? Yeah, not the, not the absolute worst. Probably a little less, but not the worst salary. So besides the point, though, the, the real point and takeaway from this is that while the big company feels so safe and secure, it isn't all that it's necessarily set out to be. Um, and then you've got the struggles of the creator-based company. One, Nick doesn't even know if he has health insurance because he doesn't know how it works. <laughs> Two, you know, you, you got to pay rent for an office. You got to, you, you don't get the network effect essentially of working at a big corporate company. You don't get to work with as many people at once. You don't get, but you do get the freedom. You do get the freedom. And I do think while, I grew up at least wanting to live and work in Bristol, Connecticut for ESPN or work for the NFL or my favorite team. That is now even growing, even like once I entered the professional world, living in Bristol sounds like a nightmare. Like everything has become more open and available. And so there are a lot of perks and, and where ESPN had that stranglehold, it's like if I'm looking at the the ecosystem, why would I go work at ESPN? dog myself where I could easily go work here 60 hours on myself and potentially make, you know, even if it's less money, still have that freedom, still be doing what I want to do. It just feels like it's I think a lot of the problem is like, well, are you, you're talking about being an individual creator. I'm just talking about in general, the appeal of the big companies, mm-hmm. maybe I don't want to say exposing them, but they, they've definitely lost leverage in, in this world. Well, I think like once you work in a company, that's like this where it's like fast paced and you feel, I mean, not even, not even being in the sports media space, but I've, I've, I worked in multiple like corporate settings and I love the smaller team setting. Like right. it felt like I was involved. Like it felt like I was actually making a difference or like pushing the direction of where the company was going, even working with like underdog, right. When they were like 10 people and we were working with them, we, it felt like we had our hands in everything, yeah. right? Like they would always be asking and not, they don't do that anymore, but like they're huge now. Right. Yeah. So it's not like we don't have that much of an impact, but I've always found myself attracted to the idea of really being able to mold something and being like helpful and being part of a small team that makes you feel like mm-hmm. you're making an impact. And I think a lot of the, a lot of people feel the same way. And it's the reason why consumers attach to creators. When you tell the story, they feel like they're, part of the story they feel like they're actually like helping shape i guess what you're doing and 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 for me a lot of that goes back to where you would i guess select select to work and i think it's a lot more um i don't know if inspiring is the right word but a lot more gravitational for me like you know i if if i was younger and i had the choice of the bigger small for me it'd be a place like this 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean and then it comes back full circle. We're going to work with the NFL a little bit this year. Brett Coleman just did a YouTube video on the end. Like, he went from the corporate NFL productions, jumps over, does his own thing, and then the NFL is actually tagging on him to make content for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does have the freedom and luxury to kind of not have to work for them, right, and do his own thing. I understand these are maybe... But it's like, also, like, yeah, really hard to get to that level. Sure, but the value in, you know 
personal branding and building your own platform. We've talked about it a million times. Like if you're going to go be a podcast producer for the big company, go and build your personal brand outside of it. Utilize that network as well. I, I think it's interesting too. Like if you set up your personal brand correctly, and you're able to scale it a little bit, I, I almost think you could be set for life. It's, in, it, yeah. it's like an intense in a, way in to In a live. category that's not, that doesn't die, but yes. Yeah, I well, yeah, I, I think what it does is it, it allows you to pivot to whatever you want, even if it does die. Yeah. Like I, I think, like, I'll, I'm confident in saying I'll be doing whatever this is for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. I've, like, built enough leverage that I can kind of pick and choose my battles and choose where yeah. I want to go. So it's, like, no reason not to try to build something up now because if you do it correctly, like, the upside is just... It's lifelong. It's yeah. like forever. It's generational. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, to be fully transparent and kind of stem off that idea, like, I don't know if we've discussed it on here, but two years ago before I kind of hired up the team and I assume and know it to be kind of true for you as well. It's like that was our peak profitability. It's when we're making a ton of money is when we were the creator. Right. And, and everything was filtering through. Now, it does stunt your growth. Like you couldn't grow as a team of one or just one with a couple of people helping out. So you have to do this because you're going for something bigger. But at the end of the day, right now, it's like we're stripped down and our profit margins are way slashed. And the value that we're still delivering in comparison to the others is, is definitely not equivalent. At the end of the day, if we ever got to a point where we were like, let's strip it all away. They're the ones, I mean, they have to go search for another job. They have to, they will I'm, be the ones. That's what I'm saying. Like you build up a yeah. personal brand. You've, you've basically given yourself life insurance. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, if you do it correctly, there's a lot of people like, and, and don't confuse personal brand with follower accounts. Again, that's why I say sure. like build it up correctly where you build an actual audience. You're giving out actual value for people over a long period of time. The quicker it goes up, the quicker it can fall. But like in, in the reverse way, if you build it up correctly, you'll be able to leverage that till the end of time. Yeah, the personal brand could be as corporate as you want too. Yeah. But if you're known in certain industries, is like this is the the person for this thing. Well, that's what I think about yeah. like like Tony. If he yeah. ever left BDG or whatever, like he'd be able to probably go where I'd probably be able to put him in a, any place he wanted to yeah. for the most part because he's built up his own personal brand by being in this you know, by being in this company, but being in the industry and just mm-hmm. being part of content and stuff like that. Yeah. He's done that within a couple of year period. Like, obviously, we're growing really rapidly on all socials, but like, you know, wasn't that long for mm-hmm. him. And he's probably built up a leverage that he could squeeze for the next 20 fucking years. And that is the beauty of what we've talked about, which is you don't have to be a solo creator these days. Like, go work for another company. He's not even a creator. Yeah. But he is building a personal brand within content because of he works for a company. Uh, content company and it's really helped and will help him in the future last thing we launched hot in here yeah but by the time we you know everyone's watching this punchline episode one will be live um what i what i want to focus on with it obviously feel free to go watch definitely feel free to give all feedback um i'm not sensitive i can handle it i promise um although maybe cameras a different yeah maybe i will be sad if you know if you're hating on it but everyone it's a it's a market it's a free market but what i wanted to talk about was from pre to post all the things that are going to ensue that maybe people don't really think about so what i mean by this is in its in its entirety it's one hour and 10 minutes of content right that's it it is a conversation for a little over 60 minutes it will be posted you know through uh through um 
what a megaphone is a what a hosting platform and it will populate on those channels um and then you'll be able to view it on youtube as well but maybe what people don't realize multi-cam so three cameras video editor will edit uh you know multiple angles keep it moving we'll get a thumbnail specific to it we'll clip what we think are the top clips which we've gone through analyzed and written down and then we'll thumb those ones. So let's say the full episode is about XYZ. We'll then take X as a six-minute clip, thumb that, title it for SEO purposes, and also post that. In addition... Uh, to YouTube? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In addition, we will... You'll, you'll see a lot of our stuff get picked up. At least I'm hoping. <laughs> but it's not just going to happen naturally. I have been in contact with multiple... Um, multiple, I guess, general football accounts. Obviously, Marlon will post, Snapback will post, I'll post. You'll see it there. But it will get picked up, what will feel natural. But I have already worked with these people behind the scenes. I would say I don't think we're going to pay the first round, but those people do bring a lot of value. And if they ask for payment down the line, potentially. But to me, it's good enough content that they just want access to it. So that's how we're paying with it, whether it's first with them. Uh, we'll do collaborations with people very so, so specific when you're, saying, so, when you're saying like that like okay um so like perfect example uh marlon says odell's the wide receiver one in baltimore um so if you want to draft a little fantasy yeah, he's I going i don't third. care how close he is to the situation it's just not true <laughs> um tell, so, him, tell him i'll put money on that so he says odell's number one so that might just get picked up naturally it could but we're going to clip it, and we're also going to collaborate with Odell Galaxy on Instagram, which has 100,000 followers, which I've sent a DM with, I've gone back and forth with, and I've promised this content is yours, right? And all those things that once you reach scale, like Impulsive and Nelk and People those... People create. Yeah, they create it. But, but until then... We have now put in, I mean, we built an entire studio, which took us mo many days. Um, we got wow, very many, many whole days. <laughs> we but, I mean, but the studio right here, it gets built from a call, three calls with a set designer. We order a bunch of different chairs to test them out. We order, you know, we work with lighting. We like all this stuff. For How do you guys feel about the studio at this point? Uh, the only thing that was off from it was the lighting. But, um, yeah, the studio looks really, really good. At least I think so. But hope that people will share their opinion. So I just, I just think it's interesting because when we start to see all this stuff, it feels like, oh, it was great content. It was going to happen. But a lot of this is, like, major behind the scenes. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize. I kind of just figured that, like, with Marlon Humphrey's face, you have such an inside source that people are, like, dying to take that from you. Right. Yeah. You would think. Yeah. But even the Ravens accounts, which I know will comment and will pull some of this stuff, I'm still going to seed them with, with stuff. So the way I'm approaching it for episode one is we got a shot sheet and like of the top of like the 10 things we really talked about. And I'm going to send it to all those people and we'll time code it for them. We, we actually might go as far as like dropping the clips to them and just being like, here, you know, use this. I think you should. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that. That is just, it's a crazy, it's a crazy way to think about one hour of content. And obviously there's a lot invested into that hour. And I feel like when most people create an hour worth of content, they're not really thinking like, oh, I didn't put this much time into well, you it. You got to think like your content is your product. Exactly. Like imagine every week you're creating a product. There's a million things that go into product. Yeah. The packaging, the design, the actual content within the product. Like how do you get it out to people? How do I market it so people want to buy? Like same way you think about content. It's not just sitting on camera 
and then ripping it immediately afterwards. And it, I, I think the best example that middles product and a weekly podcast is an album drop. When an album is dropping, the artist does so many things that you don't think about. And until I got into the industry, I never knew what was happening. I never understood why even Michael B. Jordan was going on a Barstool podcast. Oh, well, because Creed 3 is dropping tomorrow, right? right? Why Drake went, did the album or did the interview with Bobby. Well, it's because his album's coming out. And you just want people thinking, Drake, Drake, Drake. Right. Now, those are obviously on a much larger scale. But if you're going to put 8, 12, 18 hours into a one-hour video... It makes a lot of sense to also think about the promotion of it and to how to yeah. get it picked up, to do press around it. So, yeah, I just felt like it was something interesting to share. And once again, more work for the creator. But it's like you already did so many hours of work and then you're not thinking about launching it. You built up this amazing product, but you had no marketing plan. We you should, just hope that people are going to find we, it. Um, what if we act as one of those pages what if, like, you give me some breaking news and we plug your podcast on BDG? We could. Yeah, we, we should. Could. We actually should. Yeah. All right. Nikki, so here, Nikki Leaks need them. Need them sheets. Yeah. Well, that that's a funny thing <laughs> because of your Dalvin stuff. I was like, well, if I gave him the Marlin injury update, like maybe he puts it out and then it gets picked up. I think it probably lands better with some Ravens people. But I need more. Yeah, I need more like fantasy. Well, the Odell. Is, I won't. I'll I asked him job. for fantasy. Who is wide receiver one? But that's also I don't know if that's necessarily like like news. Uh, like I think it is. I okay. That no, feels it's more actually good feedback. You know what I mean? It's more like it's more like like Dobbins return timetable to the field or like do you, if, you know what I'm saying? If, I, I'll give you this: if the way he talked about Odell was more of was more of feel, so I'm I'm aligned with you. In the he was like Leonard Fournette's visiting the Ravens. Like that's like no that you're thinking news. I'm thinking yeah. more so uh, scheme, right? If he had dropped a nugget that was like every time we get in the red zone, Odell is the top target. The scheme has to fit my narratives, otherwise it all yeah exactly. You know? <laughs> but but the last time we talked about it, he was like, yeah, Aguilar is killing people in the red zone. That would, but he's not fantasy relevant enough yeah, to yeah. actually do it. That's so. I, that's that's why I don't really like taking player takes because yeah. like. A lot of times, no matter how much hype guys get from camp, it very rarely like actually translate, which is why I'd rather like news or hard facts. Is that facts. true? It doesn't translate it's, much? Some of it does, but it's not predictable like when it's actually going to be right. real. Like okay. him saying like Nelson. Nelson Aguilar literally could be the best player in their training camp, but like it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't but matter. if he said, yeah, I guess if he had made a comment, which was like our offense now with Munkin, because it is a new quarterback. If he said like J.K. Dobbins has been on every goal line carry, I would be like, that's useful to okay. us because we have no idea who the right. goal line back is going to be in Baltimore. I, I agree. So, all right, here's the shot sheet. This is what the goal is, is we send this out, and people are like, ooh, that's really interesting to me. So, shot sheet. Marlins injury update. Ravens sign Ronald Darby. Florida State's recruiting pitch to Marlin, which includes a Jalen Ramsey and Jameis Winston story. So, when he was being recruited. Um, that one, that's one where like, that's probably a three-minute clip within. It, it's not about the – it's just a tangent he goes on. But if you put the work in, like, and I target Florida State That's people, a viral TikTok clip. That can, yeah. that can hit that. And maybe Ramsey comments on it because it's a funny story. He's like, yeah, I thought Jalen was going to be pitching me. Like, I showed up. He gave me 100 bucks and, like, didn't take me out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and then he talks about Jimbo Fisher saying how he should stay in school because Jameis wasn't going to go to the draft. And Marlon's like, am I an idiot? Like, he's going to be the number one pick. Yeah. So, like, that will probably not get picked up from Florida State. How would it? Like, unless someone listens and is a huge Florida State influencer or sends it and it gets around, 
Or I can go and message a couple Florida State people and be like, hey, FYI, here's yeah, a funny yeah, story. Yeah. And so that'll, that, that's, that's how you make true. it happen. Yeah. Uh, Jadavian Clowney signs, chooses number 24. Marlon's story on choosing his jersey number. He said, I wanted to play for seven teams in my career. He gives high praise to Sam Howe and Eric Bieniemy. Commander's Super Bowl was breaking the Ravens' streak. <clears throat> Tyreek Hill playing Madden instead of watching <laughs> film. OBJ is wide receiver one for the Ravens. Marlon's toughest wide receivers to guard. He picks J.J. McCarthy to win the Heisman. Best Ravens and Steelers to play for both teams. Would Marlon ever play for Pittsburgh? So I don't. The OBJ uh, would be the most relevant one there. For I don't sure, think but there's I, a perfect fit for you. Yeah, I wouldn't. But I think for me, that's kind of, like I look at this list and I go, all right, FSU. I know where to go target. If we had talked about like revenge tour with Jadavian Clowney, because he he's played for five teams in his career, he plays all five this year, which is kind of a funny story. But like actually getting a clip on that and then targeting, like that's how you should be going about it. Yeah. So that's interesting. So I'll have stuff for you. I'm, we're going to try and do a fantasy corner in some form or fashion throughout the season. Yeah, I do agree that like it's not necessarily a perfect fit. Yeah, I'm sure there will be times. And, yeah. and you don't want to overplug it too. You know what I mean? Like a few things here and there just to yeah. make sure that we're like hitting and, and being correct about it goes a long way. You know what else goes a long way? You get one ask. We weren't that good today, so... An hour gets you one ask. You what do you mean weren't that good? I'm today. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you get to choose between a like, a comment, or a subscribe. I want neither of those. I want to share. I want you to share it with your mother. That's it. That's the highest level, though. Yeah. With with mom. One hour. One over one hour gets me a big ask. Okay. That's it. I want a mother share. Okay. And I want I want you to text your mother the link to this, and I want to see her reaction. So screenshot yes. it and throw it in the Discord. Yes. She's going to be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Later. I think the air is It's a little warm. It was cold in here yesterday. Oh, is it? Yeah. I love that. I love that Jameson just rocks the uh, socks and slides every day. He's on vacation here. It's like he never <laughs> left Florida. This is actually his uh, retirement. Did home. he wear that on his first day? Do you remember? He's wearing it today. No, nah, he wears shoes. He did? Sometimes, yeah. No, no, no. That is not true. No, he wears like... He has a, never worn wears shoes. wears low-cut... Okay, so on Wednesdays... Black Vans. Them. Black Vans are super low-cut. He wears them to like the gym and everything, too. Oh, but to here? What do you mean to here? He lives here. <laughs> he lives in the office? Yes. Are you serious? I didn't know that. Where does he shower? At the gym. You, the first room when you walk into the left is like he's got a whole mattress and everything in there. That's crazy. People really like your company, huh? Gut sleeps here too. <laughs> no, like, I know that. Like three days in a row sometimes. <laughs> like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Actually, like to here. Where did where did you think he was living? I have no or clue. You just had no idea. I, you don't I'm keep like, track of where my guys are living. Yeah, not really. Shockingly, I know. Sad. I should. I should I know exactly where Casey lives. <laughs> I actually, don't I have think no you idea. Do. Murray yeah. Hill. Murray Hill. I just unsent the Twitter thing to you. The the YouTube ideas. Do you still have it? Didn't you text that to me? Yeah, it just disappeared. This? Yeah, yeah, yeah. send it back. Send it back. Aren't you looking at it? No, no, no. <laughs> the actual tweet is gone. Say please. 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 When was the last year you owned black socks? It was like, right, like high school? A long time ago. Yeah. I never wear black socks. Right. I have this exact sock. I have probably 30 pairs mm -hmm. in my dresser, and they're like basically the only things I wear. Same. Mine, but low. You're a low boy. I am a low boy. Ankle sock gang, as the kids say. Um, what was I about to say? Uh, normally you say, like, welcome, Mike. No, I had something even better. <laughs> this thing's pissing me off right now. It's, like, really getting me fired up.
Get in your home.